And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, listeners. Sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Hibs might not Hibs it. Jet fueled Livy and the Gable Endies get going again. I'm Andrew Slavin and I'm joined as ever by JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Hello. Hello, this is me. You're hearing my voice. Good evening or morning. Hi. <laughs> and senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. Hello to you. Hello. Still loving my football because yet another weekend when Motherwell did not lose. That's true. Yeah. And what did you actually do for your weekend off? You had a weekend off? Very, very strange, having two straight days off. I went a lovely 20k cycle. I even cycled past the home of the champions just to see if there was any changes. Actually, did you wow. see there was a there was a, a nope. thing on Twitter where there was a green crane and they'd claimed that Celtic fans had changed the number of titles they'd won to one. And uh, I checked it out and apparently it just wasn't true because it hadn't been changed to one. It was sitting at 55. It had very clearly been changed from 54 to 55. But that was a, a made up rumour. Fantastic story, Laura. JJ. <laughs> uh, Aberdeen still don't have a manager. Big rumours at Stephen Glass. Um, you did mention it last last week. Gathering a little bit to pace this one. What do you think? Uh, what I've heard is that they've been inundated with uh, applications. I think it's a really, really massive opportunity for a lot of different coaches at this stage of their careers so I think the, what I've heard is it's going to take some time the glass link is obviously because he's been in charge of the seconds at Atlanta there is an Aberdeen fan podcast called Here We Go and they do a very good bit on Stephen Glass talking to a journalist who um, works out there I think he's a journalist who does commentary or something like that um, there's a lot of people who are who are sceptical Stephen Glass might do well at Aberdeen because he hasn't got a good record or whatever, but um, if you look into him, he's been in charge of the seconds, getting young players ready to play for the firsts. His job hasn't really been to win stuff, and the way that club is built is to have one of these all-encompassing philosophies from top to bottom where everyone plays the same way, every team plays the same way. So it's all in the front foot, possession-based, positional play the kind of Cruyff thing that every club wants their philosophy Sounds to be familiar. when they start. every club's like oh, we're gonna if you could if you could pinpoint our team from outer space you would know it is us every club says that so um, that could be yeah maybe that's the kind of thing you want to get in but I've also heard that the players have enjoyed uh, training <laughs> since the little change interesting so yeah but yeah I think there'll be I think it'll be a little while before we get any changes and I think that's important I mean you would imagine you're working at a company like I don't know what's a company uh 
oil companies, <laughs> the person I always come to because I'm from Aberdeen. Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah. But like, if your manager gets pinged, you don't just get a new one a week later, do you? They take forever to get a new manager in because it's quite an important thing to do. I always think that's well, an odd po- thing in football does. Possibly. It depends on your, your, your situation in the league, I, I reckon, um, in terms of football rather than away from companies. Um, sometimes someone's already waiting in the wings to take take over um but i, guess I, I don't so, know yeah. it seems like it seems like quite a, a shrewd decision to just wait because it's not like aberdeen are in too much peril but they will be wanting to secure european mild football. peril they're mild, mild yeah, peril. yeah yeah like kind of like i the, bet the, that's the name of the podcast already <laughs> the, the orange orange level of a nando's hot sauce that's that's kind of where aberdeen are right that's now. the hot one isn't it orange no, a medium. Is medium is red if it's hot, and then it's black if you want to. Oh yeah, you're right. Spend yeah. all day in the toilet the next morning. But anyway, moving on. Um, a, a happy birthday to the SFA. They turned 148 years old on Saturday, um, and I'm sure there's a few board members that were born then. Uh, the second oldest football association in the world. What's um, the first? England. Oh. Yeah, those guys wow. beat us to it. That we and know of. Beat us all through our history and our lives. Maybe there's an ancient civilization that had their own FA. Uh, I don't know. It's not an option in the game of civilization, which is where I get most of my history from, so I can't really... <laughs> let's move on. Can't talk about Wikipedia no. again. Uh, look, uh, um, me and Charlie... Th- well, Charlie was thinking this. Um, producer Charlie. If you guys were working um, at the SFA, or if you wanted to create your own football association... Um, what would you have that would be different, or what what special rule would you have, um, Laura? Go on, um, I'll go to you first. I would like to see one unified body, um, and by that I mean there's an actual leader to the organisation, and not every club has an equal say. Um, I think there's definitely times where clubs do should run the show and should have a big say in things, but there needs to be a higher up being. Um, we saw it last year with the whole COVID nonsense with the season ending early and it's still not even been resolved this season we we don't actually know what would happen if the same problem arose again um, I just feel like yeah, there needs to be do you know what it made me think of last year uh, this time last year when there was all the voting and the, the Dundee vote went into the junk box and all this stuff it made me that think of... That was exciting Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, very <laughs> but it made me think of, imagine... The SPFL is like a prison with no prison guards. Uh, who who polices that prison cell? Because <laughs> it's just chaos. Everyone's just going about their own business, wanting what's best for them. And there isn't really a unifying voice at the top going, stop this, this is chaos. And let's just think sensibly for a minute. So yeah, so, I would do so, that. Yeah, so like you've got Ian Maxwell, who's the chief executive of the SFA. You've got Rod Petrie, who's the, the president. Why be a president if you can't be an overlord, eh? Yeah, make some yeah. decisions. Take away from the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Have a you've got Neil control. Doncaster. Yeah, just throw it all in the bin. Yeah, why not? <laughs> JJ, do you agree? I would just want to have it so you don't end up with what we've got around every single league in the world where there's one or two clubs that dominate the entire thing. I'd rather it was uh, equally shared... In terms of like, I don't know how you how you do it. You have to have some sort of incentive, but I think it's to do with European football. It's just too serious a subject for me to really give a funny answer because I don't know <laughs> what the hell you're supposed to do. Am I starting a football? I association? didn't go for a funny. I didn't go for a funny yeah. answer. I just, I I just want to fix football. <laughs> yeah, I would just like it so that like the two teams in the Scottish league can't just control everything and win everything all of the time. Is it to do with money? So salary. Cap. As I said before, money a ruins salary. everything. 
So a salary no, cap then you have to, MLS. But then you, don't, you can't compete amongst other leagues, can you? Because you have to do it. Well, you don't want to make yourself a little small island. I don't know. It's very complicated. What about a, dra- what about a draft? Like the, like the Americans. Oh. We brought in a draft. MLS, nuts. Like, to be imagine, fair, ha- MLS. Imagine Hamilton picking up like the, the best young superstar well, that comes through. That might actually be not a bad way to do it, to make it equal. To be fair, MLS do it very well because you've no idea who's going to win the next season or who's going to do badly. It's so unpredictable. MLS? It's like LA yeah. Galaxy or... <laughs> the no. Actually, no. Not, no, it not, changes quite a lot. Yeah, yeah it does. There you go. Schooled. Really Schooled. Um, good time to move on. Uh, later on, we're going to check in on Montrose ahead of their restart in League One. Uh, League Two will also be starting up again. But first, we shall talk about the two, just two, Premiership games this weekend. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Hibs came from behind at Dingwall to give their hopes of finishing third a big boost with a 2-1 victory over Ross County. We're joined now by Stuart Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast and it was a massive three points on Saturday, Stu. It really was, yeah. Um, the first half that we played generally seemed to have a, a bit of deja vu about it, but the first time we went up to, to Dingwall, which we did a lot of things right, but just couldn't find the back and net. Some real positive play in the first half from Hibs. And then almost a bit of a, a sucker punch right at the start of the, the second half. Defence all at sea. Um, could have possibly said... Um, our keeper Marciano could have come out and collected it but free header in the middle and you're thinking here we go again a potentially third disappointing result on the trot but we seem to be able to kind of rally pretty quickly and uh, come back and kind of squeak it over the line at the end a little bit Hibs look at the table shoot Hibs haven't finished third in 16 years so that's a pretty long time see in terms of achievements would finishing third erase the sort of the heartbreak and, and arguably humiliation from the, the two semi-final defeats this season. Those were definitely tough ones to take for Hibs, especially given one of the opponents in it. Um, for me, the St. Johnson one was worse and that's not a slight on St. Johnson or what I was maybe expecting from Hibs that day. It was really the, the defending and like that. I think finishing third in the league, we really have to remember where Jack Ross was when he took over. He took over us in November a couple of years ago. We were Barely two points ahead of Hearts, I think, in 10th or or even 11th in the league. But he's been able to turn this right around. Maybe the football's not been the most attractive at times, but looking at the table now, we've got the third best goals, third best defence. So he really has done a great job, and it'll be interesting to see what we can do with a a full normal season um, and a a kind of good transfer window in front of us. And the the promise of Europe is is tantalising, to say the least. Like, what did the fans think of Jack Ross just now? And also, you said, like, uh, the football's not that entertaining. Is it... Because it seems to me that they keep the ball quite a lot. Like, they want to play with it, but then you just end up losing. Like, they can see their silly goal, even though they have all the ball. I don't know if you see the same thing. Uh, Not very much so. Um... Uh, to, to kind of cover, cover your first point, uh, Jack Ross is a bit of a, a pendulum, uh, I suppose, where you think of all football fans. Um, and I think we're maybe all a little bit frustrated right now that we're, um, we're charging high in the league 
we are playing some good stuff, let's be fair, but we've just not been there for a year, like everybody has. Um, so I think we're all being able to kind of take our frustrations out on social media a little bit too quickly, as opposed to chatting to your mates on the way home, maybe having a beer afterwards as well. We've just not got that option right now. So one week, Jack Ross is an absolute genius when we turn around and win. <laughs> Next week, he, he's an idiot and uh, people are shouting for Jack Ross out. I'm certainly not in the latter camp. I think Jack Ross has done a fantastic job when he's come in. But uh, Hibs fans, I think, maybe do expect a higher quality and brand of football. The, the game we had recently against Motherwell, yeah, the stats were all in our favours. We had more shots on target. We had better possession. We had more passes. But it was all very defensive passes along the back line. Balls going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. We expect so much more. So, so stats, as you know, can be massively deceptive at times. Oh, for sure. But then, do you, is that do you think because the other teams are setting up deep? Because I always see this in the Premiership: is that when you want to play nice football, like like Stephen Robinson, I think found it with Motherwell this season because they're trying to open up and be possession based, and then teams just sit deep against you, and it just takes a mistake, and that's kind of been what's happening. And then in games they don't have like Gogic playing, I've noticed that maybe people can play through them quite easily. He seems to be like a massive, like, huge part of the team this year. You know what? We were screaming out for, for Gogic as soon as uh, Mark Milligan uh, left mm. as well as we got rid of Marvin yeah, Bartley. Yeah. This was a guy that we really missed and probably a big part of um, Paul Heckenbottom, obviously now just become manager of Sheffield United, just proves what a weird game football is. Um, <laughs> that we Good were start for him as well, eh? <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly. I don't think Hecky's quite at the wheel just yet for them, but um, the, the poor Sheffield United lads, they all looked like they were still in shock at losing Wilder. Uh, bless them. Um, but, yeah, we, we were very much missing that little bit of steel in the middle to allow somebody like a Jackson Irvin or can't wait for him to come back or Scott Allen to be able to do the more fancier things, to find those kind of cutting passes to get us forward. Uh, I think a big complaint, though, that Hibs fans have had this year is the speed at getting forward. We don't seem to have a great deal of urgency about us a lot of the time. I'm interested about the news with Kevin Nisbet. He's not been starting a lot lately, um, but he comes off the bench at the weekend and gets his 14th of the season. Is it a bit strange for Hibs fans to not see him in the starting sheet every week? Kevin's had a, have a, had a great year. I think he's second in the scoring table right now. Yeah. I think he's had 12 goals, which, considering he's had uh, personal issues this year that have been well covered in the media, as well as the transfer deadline saga, we'll call it. Um, Birmingham supposedly coming in with a, a, a decent offer. But when it actually got broke down to it, um, Birmingham were only offers, offering us about a million pounds up front. And then there were so many... Uh, caveats at the back of it to say, oh yeah, once he's played this many games, once he's got this many goals, once we've got promotion. The deal was nowhere near as attractive and um, thankfully Hibs kind of stuck by their guns um, to kind of keep hold of him. I think maybe he just needed a little bit of time to settle in. But at the same token, when that was all kind of said and done, transfer window shot, he was saying, Hibs went out a great winning one. Why are you going to change a, a good winning formula? But the, the smile on his face when he came off the bench and scored that winner uh, on Saturday it was the length of Lee Hawk and it was just good to see he spoke really positively on um, Hibs TV afterwards so hopefully the lad's kind of um, kind of going to stick by his words of saying how happy he is at Hibs and we'll, we'll kind of kick on for the rest of the season Yeah, I actually really rate him I think he's brilliant I think he could definitely work his way into the Scotland team I think There's really no reason why not yeah, yeah, absolutely. What else is scoring? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the game then. A, a wee scare for, for Hibs when Billy McKay scored. Charlie can play the song now. Hey, 
just for context, that is the Inverness Cup final song from 13-14. <laughs> I love it. It's so yeah. good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, Mackay, back amongst the ghosts. I'm Billy Mackay. Yeah, he's good. There you go. <laughs> um, and then two minutes after Billy Mackay scored, Martin Boyle uh, won a penalty. What do you guys think about this decision made by John Beaton, the referee? Um, you saying penalty, JJ? Uh, I'm more interested in already finding what Laura thinks of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when JJ does this. <laughs> she is the dive queen. Yeah. She is the dive queen. Um, I don't know how anyone can call this a penalty. <laughs> he So he puts his leg over the Ross County player. So I can't remember who the county player was. Lacavity. Right. He puts his leg over him. And then falls down so dramatically, it isn't even funny. It's, I mean, he's playing for it all day long. It's not a foul. It's absolutely not a foul. And he is playing for what he hopes will be a foul. And I think Yogi's right in saying he conned the ref. Because <laughs> that's what he was, he was playing for, the, the, the foul. JJ, uh, uh, co- there's contact, right? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> is it... <laughs> Hey, uh, some like sometimes like when you when you stand up like that and someone comes in the back of you, just a little bit of momentum, it can be enough to knock you. And it, and because of where you are and you're a professional footballer and trying to win and you've got that kind of drive, you can. That make doesn't make that, it okay, JJ. That does uh, not well, make it okay. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that you can just game the system and get yourself a penalty. There was Gaming one later the on not where okay. there, was, there was one later on where he goes down as well in, in the area and seemed convinced it was a penalty. Oh, was it the second one was when John Hughes says that he said the last time he saw somebody dive like that they were wearing a pair of speedos. Yeah, that's right. I mean, importantly about that incident, about like two minutes previous, all this happened in ten minutes. He he wins the penalty. A couple of minutes afterwards, he sighs down Leo Hielda, um, and only gets a yellow card. So he's on a yellow card when he then goes down. Ah, but that's worse, not a dive. Worse than the first one. one. It's not dying. Yeah, but he's looking for a the penalty. The second one. The second yeah, one. The second one. He's the... looking for a penalty. So yeah, this, why is that a... not a yellow card? A yellow card, then a red card, and that would completely change the complexion of the game because then only a couple of minutes diving. later, you don't think he's diving? No, I think he's how, slipped. How, how, but he's he's slipped with he style. <laughs> he's like Buzz Lightyear when you fall with style. There's absolutely no way he's like, oh, I'm falling with style. Okay, Buzz Lightyear. There's no way he slipped. <laughs> This no. is this, that's what it looks JJ like. JJ needs to be like in court, like defending SPFL. SP yeah, I'm not decision. trying to defend him. I'm just trying to like see like what the referee's seen with it because the way he goes down with the first one, you'd think that Beaton then thinks that's also a penalty. You see, because they, they're quite similar-ish. One's a bit of contact and a bounce. So you can see where the momentum would take him down, but he makes that happen anyway. Second one's definitely not. I don't know. The, the, uh, the, the second one, the second one, the only the only defence I can give John Beaton is that. If he's not 100% certain, either or, I don't think he can make a decision. Yeah, but... So, uh, yeah, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> we referees, are we? We should talk about football. Yeah. Let's just talk about Ross County outside of, of Scotland, actually, as well, because um, did you see what happened to their former manager, Derek Adams, at the weekend? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you good. saw that 42-year-old Kevin Ellison... Uh, scoring for Newport against uh, Morecambe. Uh, Derek Adams manages Morecambe. Ellison spent almost like 10 years at that club and Adams froze him out at the club, made him train on his own and Ellison scored at the weekend and he ran over to him and just screamed in his face. Can Um, you imagine holding that in that long? (laughs) His follow-up tweets as well to have been good because he's not... 
he's not denied it in any way. And he's been talking about karma and everything, which is it's just crazy. Mm. I, I do like I do like that sort of spiteful <laughs> celebration. It's it's, a, it's a, the, the tasty side of football you've got to admire. I wonder if how, he just continued playing. Yeah, I know. I think he just continued playing just for that opportunity. Screaming <laughs> down his face. Um, it's funny because it, it it reminded me of uh, the time that. Um, do, do you ever remember? I think I put it in the the group chat that we have when um, Jamie Hamill for Hearts got booked for for deliberately barging Adams to the floor <laughs> when he was um, at Ross he's, County. He's not proven to be a popular manager, is he? Uh, <laughs> There's a yeah, lot of grudges going around here. I don't know. Hey, never go. Uh, but let's let's move on. We've got another game to talk about, folks. Gets it back from Barkley. Still Devlin. That's in towards Emmanuel Thomas. That's magnificent. From the man they call Jet. Jet. <laughs> Jet. Livingston secured their spot in the top six with a 2 1 win over Hamilton on Saturday. An amazing news for, for Livingston fans to, to see that confirmation that they're going to be in the top six. Um, after what's been a really difficult couple of weeks, Laura, losing in the cup final and then a couple of disappointing results. This was the, the carrot um, for all Livingston players to just achieve that goal. Um, and it's an amazing achievement that should be should be applauded. Oh, definitely. I mean, last year they finished fifth. Um, obviously, the season did end prematurely. So we, we have no really kind of well, what, knowing what would have happened. <laughs> what would have happened after that? But um, to do it two seasons in a row to finish where they're, they're finishing is it's a great one for them. They're they're completely punching above their weight. They're one of the smallest budgets in the league. They they started off the season really poorly as well. Was it something like tenth they jumped up from when Martindale came in? Correct. And that was what like three months ago. So I mean, in the space of only a couple of months, they've jumped up quite considerably up the table. Um, and they're now knocking on the door of a European place. Which is quite something. If Aberdeen continue to kind of um, go in this run that they're on, or at least kind of stumble across the finish line, it's only six points in it. That's there's two games, and one of them will be against Aberdeen as well. So this is what this is brings in the split. This is why I love the split because then it it becomes the race for Europe is only concentrating on the European teams. The race for relegation is only the relegation teams playing against each other. I love that side of it. Um, I think this is really really. Great news for Livy. The, the the accomplishment and the what they have done this season. Yeah, okay, they lost the cup final, but they still got to the cup final, and mm-hmm. the places. I think this will go down as a really successful season for them. Absolutely, it's interesting that it looks like Scott Robinson's probably played his last game for Livingston. We don't know what the story is, but Martindale came out and basically said he doesn't really want to talk about it. Um, but it's a good thing they've got someone like J. Emmanuel Thomas. Jet, like we heard in the intro. Um, JJ, what a finish this is, by the way, uh, to make it 1 0. It's an ex Arsenal player scoring a very Thierry Henry ish goal, mm. but he's also completely at fault for the goal that Hamilton scored because he <laughs> holds on to it. You, ha- you have to really, you can't dribble across that bit of the pitch. You can't do that. Yeah, his but awareness is really poor. To, and this I, is the kind and of how harsh of you, JJ, to go from I lo- I that love, wonderful goal to be like, I love hold how on, let's JJ bury him. Has- yeah, Gigi has just watched one of the goals of the season and given him about three seconds of credit before he goes, well, actually, he had a really oh, bad moment in the game as well. This is the but thing, he's like, right to say it, though. Talented Laura. players at like this. Like, he's a really talented player. Like, I said to you, I think we said to you a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week, he clearly got a really good touch 
and like mm-hmm. he can tell he's a decent player but he I don't know Arsene Wenger once said that he had the world at his feet when he was a youngster um, he doesn't know when to pass to it like it's uh, <laughs> thing, it's, it's choice so it's just like decision making seems to be and often like the way to pass it was the, 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 the was it the cup final I was thinking it was that he came on and they, they were getting the ball to him he could take it down but then either his choice of pass or the actual execution of it wasn't good enough maybe he's nervous sure enough but like mm-hmm. that that goal I mean that's you've got to be pretty ballsy to be able to pull that off it's it's really I mean it should be doing the rounds on Reddit or whatever it's great yeah, yeah, yeah. but then it's him that makes a silly decision to get and he's tackled easily and you'd be raging and this is the kind of thing when you're the manager you'd go right so he can score that goal but he's also going to cost me and and it's so easy for teams to take advantage of that and Hamilton like they didn't really offer much in this game whatsoever Ross Callaghan was screaming at his teammates mm. late on there's one bit where he gets in behind the fence and cuts the ball back and no one's made the run to, yeah, to like, yeah, have like, yeah. a tap in, and he screams at them like he's like it <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's tough for Hamilton but I mean another great goal in this game uh, from Callum Smith Yes, um, great goal. That was that was a great goal, man. What a, it's one of those where like it's it doesn't look spectacular, but it is because of how far away it is and it's low and precise. I really enjoyed that one. Um, it's only Hamilton's second defeat in the last six matches. Are they going to finish tenth, Laura? Yeah, Do we, yeah. yeah. This uh, should, right? I, I, it was it. Somebody in the sports scene the other night used termed their expert escapologist, which I really liked. Escapologist. Perfect way to sum up Hamilton. Um, I don't know. They they looked on Saturday like they didn't have enough fight in them. There was that drive was missing. The, the drive to really kind of get themselves out of this situation right now. Very few players got past marks. Um, if they're going to continue with that head set that that mentality then that mindset sorry then yeah they're they're in real trouble in that case but i don't know it's just it's hamilton you just you can't write them off you can never just when is the season going to come i I don't know Mm. i I, i'm really i'm not convinced that they're going to go down well if we look at ahead to the split um everyone's played 32 games um st mirren are two points clear of st johnston in sixth place um, so that spot's still up for grabs. St Mirren are away to Hamilton on Saturday and St Johnston are at home to Ross County. So we'd maybe think that St Johnston are the ones that are gonna gonna sneak it. No, uh, I think I think those two fixtures are absolutely perfect. Um not more so from my perspective, <laughs> from with a motherwell hat on. But St Mirren and St Johnston are both fighting it out to get into the top six. And obviously Hamilton and Ross County are fighting out at the bottom of the table. So the, the, from a mother perspective, I want St Mirren and St Johnson to win those two games um, and they can fight it out amongst themselves. I think the battle there is perfect for top six and versus relegation. So I think those are definitely the two games to look out for at the weekend. It's a great season for St Johnson, though, JJ, after picking up the League Cup and potentially finishing sixth. Callum Davidson's first season in charge, definitely up and coming. Yeah, and um, other weird thing, if you, if you go to the our favourite expected goals under the hood stats... They are one of the most, uh, what do you call it, they are underperforming in terms of what they score. Like their, their XG for the season is 40.27. This is according to Scout, in case you're interested. And uh, and the actual goals is 33. Aberdeen's the only other team who are equally as um, wasteful in front of goal. A lot of that is from crosses, but they, they get the ball into the box and they play two strikers so they can get that in. I think they've been, 
It's taken them a bit of time to work it out, but they've come good at a really decent time. And obviously the cup win's massive, and I think the way they went about that was uh, excellent. We'll just see what happens. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. It's, it's quite good that those two... makes those two games absolutely massive. I mean, the other, I mean, the other two teams are desperate not to get relegated. These two are, just want to finish in that top six. Cause you never know what they could finish up on. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll add to your, your Scout facts, and I'll add my own... Uh, well... Charlie's. <laughs> Only Celtic and Rangers have had more shots than St. Johnson this season. All right. Wow. There you go. There you go. Wow, indeed. Uh, we're going to have a break, but afterwards, we're going to make our way to Montrose. And they're off. The plucky youngster on the inside has started fast. Number seven now. Going down the outside. The big fella in the middle is racing to make up the ground. A late charge and across the line. Yes, the ball is across the line. Excellent error from the big fella. To celebrate an unbelievable week of racing and football, get a completely free £5 bet on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday of Cheltenham and a £5 risk-free bet builder on Chelsea v Atletico Madrid. Paddy Power. Max one £5 free bet per customer per day. Racing free bets available 48 hours before first race each day. Pre-match bet builder bets only. Minimum legs two plus. Max cash refund £5. If it loses, T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. League One and Two return this weekend after an agonising 11 weeks away. The promotion race in League One was, well, getting quite tasty, uh, with six points separating the top five. And we're joined now by Montrose Supporters Club chairman Graham Christensen. Look, the last couple of months have been horrible, uh, but particularly for the fans. I mean, just sum up. You know your experience. It's it's been it's been horrible. You know, like uh, that this season as a whole. You know, it's been great that we've had um, the streams were happening just prior to the league going into abeyance. Um, but you know, for someone who spends every Saturday up and down the country, no matter where we're playing, being there, um, I think the wife's seen me more this past year than she has done in the previous fifteen, <laughs> which is always a bit of a worry. You know, like uh, um, taking the kids out to the back garden just to shout some abuse at them as they kick a football about. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's you know like it's you know some folk don't quite understand you know like you, you get the always oh who do you support and you, you, you kind of say Montrose and they kind of look at you going yeah but who's your big team and you go no mm. oh, that is my big team you know like <laughs> don't get us wrong you know like all access media and stuff like that you know you can watch games 24-7 near enough but it's just not the same for us fans of uh, smaller league clubs in Scotland you know it's it's been an absolute nightmare and you know what the club's social media and stuff like that has been great um, ourselves we were we, the, the, through the community trust of Montrose they ran a wee quiz uh, it was uh, supporters versus players it was play your cards right and it was for a live, you know a living live uh, matches sort of thing but at least that was a way of keeping connected with the club and you know including the fans and what they're doing as well which is it's, it's, it's the lifeline for many people in, the, in a small town that support a team so you know it's the no football thing's been an absolute nightmare, but at least we still get some communication and a wee bit of things from the club as well. So we've seen that the 
SPFL want the lower leagues to play 18 games in the season, but the, the teams themselves want to play 22. There's been convoluted statements since and no real kind of conclusion as to actually which number is going to get played. Um, how do you feel about it? <laughs> um, one, I'm just happy that we're going to be back playing football. Don't get me wrong. That is the main factor in all of this, um, especially when you see some of the things that went on in the top divisions and stuff like that with players. Um, but we won't say too much about that. Why we were put into abeyance. I think... <sighs> The best way to describe it is it's a typical SPFL statement, really. We don't really know what we're doing, but let's crack on and we'll suck it and see while we're doing it sort of thing. Especially the the fact that if a club hasn't played 18 games by a certain date in April, then that'll be the league called. It's it's ridiculous. We really need to have clarity. You know, they've had three months really to, to come up with something. And here we are on the Monday before we restart and we still don't know exactly how many games we're going to play. Ah, it's, it's a bizarre situation, isn't it? Because it's by the eighteen games have to be played by Friday the twenty third of April, um. But the the statement says that if any club in League One, and I think the same is uh, for League Two, has not completed eighteen fixtures, that the 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 league ends. <laughs> it's confu- is that confusing for you? Yeah, it's it's been a topic in a couple of the group uh, chats that we've got going on and stuff like that because everyone's like, so what actually happens? You know, like, so, because it could be through no fault of yourself that you don't get to fulfil your 18 games and all of a sudden would that be the, the league called? You know, like, so, if we could, you know, in reality, you know, a team could be one point off the top of the league, you know, going into the last, you know, they've got one more game to play or we think there's four more games to play and then all of a sudden one other club hasn't been able to fulfil their fixtures and they just go, right, let's call it now. You know, this thing as well about, like I said, making championship teams wait another two weeks to play a playoff game, you know, what does the SP, you know, what the Premiership does it to the Championship clubs all the time? You know, they, they finish off and they've got two weeks in abeyance as well. So, where's the difference in that? You know, yeah, the big difference being obviously if you lose out in the playoffs, you're going to drop down a division instead of going up into the Premier League. But surely, you know, we should have some sort of fairness across the board for uh, football in Scotland. But again, it's the, the age old one out with the top division, really, in the second division, the Championship. The kind of came to they're keen to forget about us at times and that's that's the most frustrating thing as a, as a supporter of a lower league team The thing is though that some of the teams they've all played different numbers of games it's not like the same across the board you don't look at a table and it's all equal some have played a lot more than others some have played less Clyde have only played 8 games um, yeah. is there a fear there? I mean I know there's been like 8 games in a week sort of well no sorry like games squeezed into an eight-day week. <laughs> it's like we're back like, at school there. <laughs> like, how are teams going to cope with like Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sundays fixtures? I mean, considering they've just had eleven weeks off as well, I, I know that players will be have been working out at home themselves, but surely there's a fear there that they're not going to get a proper preseason under their belt. Injuries could be a big thing here. You're you're pushing these players to limits that they're probably at that level their bodies really aren't used to. Very much so, and plus throwing the the added complication of the getting the Scottish Cup finished as well. You mm. know, like uh, um, obviously we've got a game on Saturday this week, and then we're playing Nairn County on Tuesday next Tuesday away from home. Now the Highland League 
aren't back playing. So they've made the decision to take their players back, you know, train for two weeks and they're going to have one game. Now, obviously, they officially can't have friendlies, but who's to say that they haven't had a wee kickabout in the park this weekend coming um, <laughs> against someone just to get a wee bit of match fitness? Because that's across the board, you know, like said, it's, it's all fair enough saying, right, the players are fit, brilliant, throw you into a match. There's no match fitness there. It's no like, say, you you know, you can run around a, a pitch in training for two hours, no problem. But match fitness is a completely different thing. And as you say, something catastrophic happens, you know, like it could just be a mistimed tackle, you know, like, say, not match ready. And all of a sudden you've got, like, say, maybe a guy out for a year. Um, making some part-time teams play three games in a week is just going to be absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, in reality, I think Clyde, Clyde did have the one, one game that was called off against Forfer due to COVID um, in my eye that was the only game that was called off in the lower divisions before we are putting a abeyance instead of uh, mm. some top flight teams um, that still get to play but <laughs> you know like I said obviously weather didn't help we had quite a harsh bit of winter and stuff like that prior to it and you know it's one of those ones that and as far as I believe Danny Lennon's happy enough that they're going to be back playing but it's going to be the schedule for teams like so that that's got to make the catch up it's going to be an absolute nightmare the other thing as well is Montrose were on a really good run just before football was suspended. So it oh, two points off the top? Yeah. Um, well, similar to like last year when it was all done and dusted, which was around about this time. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, we, were, we just got into the playoffs and looked like we were going to be pushing this season. Um you know there was talk like say you know the age old one as long as we can get as long as we can stay in the same uh, same division sort of thing you know like say consolidate ourselves it's good um, however obviously like say we've, we've kind of pushed on we've, we've pushed teams you know um, we were unlucky against Falkirk right at the start of the season we were unlucky against Partick Thistle here you know a wee bit more by the green and we may well have been top but it just felt like we just had that chance and then all of a sudden it's back into a being so you know speaking to some of the players they're absolutely Ganting at the bit, sort of thing, to get going again. Um, so hopefully we can kind of kick on from where we were. But um, you know, a lot of people say we might be overachieving, punching above our weight. But we're there on merit. You know, like say, if, if from watching our games this year and even last season when we were in the division, I certainly think we were. We deserve to be where we are. Nice easy first game back as well. A way to. Falkirk, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? The, the biggest, one of our biggest regrets, obviously, with supporters not being allowed in. Um, we've made some really good friends down at the Lauriston Bowling Club. You know, like so I actually had the pre- their chairman asking us, uh, it's a pity you weren't allowed to come down. You know, you are, are always welcome down here. And I think that's the thing, you know, like think to yourself, we're a year in now. You know, like so football's coming back and we're still no further forward to getting back into the grounds. But yeah, for, Falkirk, away, at the end of the day, you know, like so yeah, they be full time and they've maybe done a slightly bit more training than us but they certainly won't have as much more you know any more match fitness than we shall have in the game so you know maybe it's the best time to go down there and play them it's pretty nuts right that they've got to play was it 18 games whatever right so they're gonna end up so even like saturday wednesday if you had no pre-season you come back in you're doing saturday wednesday every single week it's quite extreme right off the back of no pre-season i can have to do like saturday monday uh, or all other, other days. Uh, Thursday. Yeah, I think it's no, sa- no. It should only Tuesday. that's three. The that's three in a week. Oh my god! So the word thing. Saturday, the wor- Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So it's almost yes, like it's right. four and eight days. That's right. That's right, Laura. So it's bizarre, and then you throw into the fact that uh, yeah, Clyde have only played eight games, so they need to play ten games in the next 
34 days. Do you know what I was thinking, right? It sounds like, wow, that's, that's so much. Oh, they, they sound really tired. And you think, imagine you were playing just five a side and you did that Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. You'd be knackered. The best yeah, I had imagine. was three, three in a week. I used to play three times a week and it was great. But, yeah, throw in a fourth and I'd be... Yeah, the, the, and these squads aren't big squads either. I mean, yeah, we can touch Part on the fact time. that they're... Yeah, they're, they're lower league players, so they, they don't have that sort of ability and fitness to start with. But they're also... There's not a big squad to choose from, so you can't rotate the same way a Premiership team can. can. It's, very di- it's very, very difficult for these clubs, um, to not just to facilitate it, but through everything they've had to go through. I'm a bit concerned that they're they're still not getting the support that they deserve, um, which is you know at the end of the day a grassroots level um, that supports communities and and helps players become better players and they need more support. Uh, but up next, a little look ahead to quite a big game to some. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Let's hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie... Charlie, talk to me. Yes, the Premiership is about to make like a banana and split. The cool kids in the top six go off and dance on one side of the room. The socially awkward outcasts in the bottom six look nervously at their feet on the other side of the room. Jim Goodwin straddles the line between cool and socially awkward, so it's fitting that his St Mirren side's fate hangs in the balance on Saturday. And Paddy Power believe that the Buddies will hang on to sixth place with a win at Hamilton. They're the favourites at 11-10. to 10. St Johnson are heavy favourites at 7-10 to 10 to do their bit and beat Ross County. Interesting. Exciting. Liggity split. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stop, JJ. Stop. 
Finally, this time next week, we might be talking about Celtic against Rangers. However, Scotland's Justice Secretary will be taking a decision, possibly by the time you hear this podcast, as to whether the derby goes ahead. Thousands of fans, Rangers fans that is, broke Covid guidelines to celebrate uh, their team's Scottish Premiership title win. What what can you what can you really say about this, folks? Uh, Hamza Yusuf met Celtic Rangers, Police Scotland, and Glasgow City Council on Friday. The clubs have both came out to to tell fans to stay at home, um, but there's obviously a concern that people's lives are going to be at risk, Laura. I'm sorry, but it's absolute nonsense that the government are trying to control the football calendar now. You can't cancel or postpone a game on the off chance that something bad is going to happen. Well, I they mean, have cancelled games already this season, or forced but, the, the league. But that to was through health season. and safety purposes. That was purely through health and safety reasons for because of COVID. They haven't. But isn't ever... this a similar concern? And even at that, the government didn't call off the game. They they did a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the SPFL. Um, said something along the lines of. We think you should postpone this if you know what's good for you. But they're kind of taking a stance now that they could have the overriding say in it. I mean, do, are they aware that there's another old firm game still to be played after this? I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that too loudly in case they haven't noticed yet and that puts them into a bigger panic. But these games need to be played. They, they need to be played because of the overall outlook of the Scottish Premiership not because of Celtic or Rangers not for because of two teams and because of who won the league and who didn't there's a competition being played right now and in order to finish it these games need to get played and we do not know if something is going to happen so you can't preempt that something's going to happen and call it off that's that's madness because then when do you start it again when would you possibly play it again if you don't know what's going to happen yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 all off the back of a, a pretty monumental um, occasion um, after Rangers winning their first trophy in a decade, and it's just that fear, isn't it? It's that fear of, of seeing those scenes again because I don't think anyone wants to see those scenes again. Um, and it's just about striking the right balance. I don't know how you do that. I'm not qualified enough to do that. Um, but some people need to just make a decision. <laughs> the the gates around Celtic Park seem quite excessive. So far in advance, um, I, I, I genuinely the same ones see... they put up in November. <laughs> <laughs> but I see somebody saying that they've provided a lot of sharks for Celtic fans now. Oh, but yeah. I genuinely don't. I don't really understand why fans would go to Celtic Park. Rangers fans didn't go to Celtic Park when they won the league. Celtic fans didn't go anywhere. By the time this game comes around, it's another league game. Yes, Rangers fans will want to glow. If Celtic win, they'll want to glow. But I, I don't feel like it is excessive enough for them to then leave their houses and, and repeat the scenes that we saw. The, the police... Can the police not just peacefully make sure people don't gather somewhere and and do their jobs and, and prevent them from, from gathering uh, before it gets too bad? I don't know how you do that, bad. though. Yeah, it's quite but, hard if they've got tens of thousands. And also, yeah, like, it's, 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 it's totally unique circumstances. Yeah. Everyone's bored because of lockdown. Everyone's gone nuts. Rangers and Celtic fans on their own are pretty nuts, especially in big groups. And you've got that coming all together. I mean, you, you can't police what was going on the other day going, around, going through Glasgow. Like, you've got to police it by just trying to keep it calm. You can't go and break them up. It's like a different way of policing it. 
It's uh, like it's not, and they're based on on police intelligence. It's not because they're just going, oh, they're going to be naughty. Like they're based not because they've heard and read, and like these, they're you know they're not daft to police. Like they they know when stuff's going to happen, and also it's a historic event where they've had this thing where they've won the league, and then there's all this, like it's just, it's a nonsense. It's but but do police know what's going to happen? What intelligence is basing it on? Because you well, they won the league, fans. and then half of Glasgow was full of people walking around the streets. Celtic, but you get Celtic fans. <laughs> what an idea! <laughs> you get Celtic fans saying that police are knocking on the doors of some of their supporters to warn them not to cause trouble. Yeah. That's that's not a new thing, by the way. That's that's not a, that's not specific to Celtic either. That happens across the board in Scottish football. Yeah, and that's a big problem. Troublemakers and police know who they no, are. No, but that's, that's a big problem because the police. That's out of order for the police to knock on doors and earmark them and say we're watching you. The police are there to protect, and in doing this. They're they're not. They're victimising. They're bullying. They're they're not protecting. So I think those sort of tactics, those heavy-handed tactics of assuming that something is going to go wrong, puts it into people's minds. It riles people up. That is not a way to go into a game. Angering people like that. I, I just no, think, but, no, they literally place it that way. They see it on CCTV. They identify the fans. They know who they are. And often they go and make sure that those fans can't do things like that again. At the same time, um, the the whole point is to send a message that. Um, you know, if you gather, it's going to try and get broken up in some way. So it's a, it's there, made to be a deterrent for people to just, well, just behave. It's a pandemic. Stay, just, just, stay at home. They're also preempting that it's going to be a negative impact. These Rangers fans. But it will be a. Ne- it will be a negative. The coronavirus thing. This whole thing. But, like, but I mean, the Rangers Laura, fans Laura. went out to to celebrate. They didn't go out to cause trouble. And I'm not. Doesn't matter. I'm, 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 no, I'm not in any way. I'm not in any way backing them. You, I'm can't, not any, you can't but, gather at all, Laura. No, I, I get that. Know, and I, I'm not yeah. justifying what they did. But nobody went out to cause trouble. Um, and this, I feel that the police and, and the, the government and the, the people who are trying to ward off and, and send messages out, it's implying that there's there's going to be some negative violence or bad feeling or, or coming Laura, together. Laura, if, if was, let's put, when, let's put another example. From? Let's put another example out there then. Hypothetically speaking... Celtic fans and Rangers fans do gather and, and there is trouble and then the question turns around is like, where's the police why aren't they doing their job ultimately it could be the other way like, oh there's too many police they're making it worse at, at the end of the day if there is a message out there that is acting as a deterrent then surely that's not a terrible thing in the current circumstances that we're in but is and the that's, message that's, really to to stop the game being played? That's that's not that's not. But it's to a do message. with public protection to stop people picking up and infecting, getting infected with the virus, so that Scotland's stuck in lockdown for another but twenty years. We don't years. know that people are actually going to gather. You might find it old firm fans are sitting there going, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to go. I'm not yeah, possibly, that. possibly, <laughs> yeah, maybe, just, maybe the message, maybe the message. Um, <laughs> that's been banded around is 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 working, but let's yeah. let's we can't let's, drink in the stadiums because of them either. What do you guys think about Brendan Rodgers coming out on Monday uh, saying that Celtic should show Rangers class and humility by giving Rangers a guard of honour? One hundred percent correct. That's exactly what they should do. Laura, oh no, come on! I think, well, I think from I think Celtic fans will respond to that and say that he is not showing class and humility in his time connected to the club. Um, no, I think we touched on this before. A guard of honour, I think, is as an empty gesture, you're you're playing against rivals in any team, no matter who the fixture's against, it's your rivals. In this case, it's your biggest rivals. Um, Should Motherwell do it? It's an empty... I, I mean, I just don't really... I don't really get the guard of honour in general for league. any team. That's what you do. Well, yeah, well, you shake hands at the end of a game, but there's no need to... I mean, it's quite... They do it in rugby know, at the end of every game. Yeah, it's rugby, 
Rugby is the politest sport in the world. <laughs> it's won the league. Is it? It's your rivals. And I don't really, I don't like that. I, I get, right, you shake hands at the end of the game or before the game, whatever, that's fine. But we need to draw the line. I, you're not, see, within that 90 minutes or, or the, the surrounding moments of the 90 minutes, you're in game mode. See, when you're walking at the tunnel, I want, I would want my players to be focused and be in game mode, battle mode, and not to be like, oh, all hail, all, we are not worthy. Um, it's just, come on. They're not getting on, they're not, they're not getting on their knees like <laughs> like Wayne's World. <laughs> like at Aerosmith, we're not worthy. Like you're respecting <laughs> the competition. I'd love to you're see res- that. You're respecting but, the competition, you're respecting like the tradition, and that's what happens. And like Roger says, you use that as motivation. You're not going like, oh, you're going like, all right, you have won the league, deservedly. You have not cheated your way to it. You've deserved to win this. Been by far the better team all season long. Deserve to win it. It should it's, it's, just mean in that game, it means like going forward, like to, to be better, like to improve, to get to a better oh no, place. Yeah, but I, I would care about what my team are motivated for that day. Um and to see my team uh, if I if I if that was But me yeah, what you're saying they're not motivated because they have to do that. That makes no sense. It's, like, it's sort of <laughs> showing too much respect. What are you on about? It's a tradition. It's like saying like to, to the champions. We've had this argument before of, of booing national anthems and all sorts and I just I don't like to show too much respect I, I get you you show a level of respect and in, in the sense of you there everyone's human on the pitch and you're all human beings and you're all professionals so there's yeah, a, there's a line as well yeah. yes but there's also a there's a rivalry line here and yeah you try and beat them in the game of football uh, I, don't, I don't get it well no. talking about <laughs> other games of football uh rangers could be through to the last eight of the europa league um a 1-1 draw in the czech republic against slavia prague um, and Alan McGregor is well, Rangers have scored the best goal ever apparently in this competition. Apparently they've had the best save ever. <laughs> I mean, it was quite good. It, it was. was a, it was. I mean, I'm not trying to take a little bit off of it. It was. It was. Inc- I remember it was watching it live and just save. going, "Holy moly!" So, well, right. I'm really trying to like hold back on the swearing um, since I became a dad, like changing words and like fudge, fudge in hell. Stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing, amazing save. I just wonder, maybe, like, if he was still playing at international level, um, he, he said he, he quit the national team um, to protect his body. If he was still playing, I think he would genuinely be still Scotland's number one, perhaps. Which maybe feels, I wonder, oh, God. Well, that's a slide indoors would moment. Would we have got to the Euros then? <laughs> yeah. Nah, we would have been clear. <laughs> we're, we're we're very and, and we're very blessed in the terms of good goalkeepers to the point where we're not even calling on McGregor to <laughs> it, we're not even calling for McGregor to come out of retirement we're not even nobody saying oh can Jim could tempt him back for the Euros because you couldn't know could you but we don't need him and he's he's chose to turn his back on the national team we do not need him we have we have two very well established goalkeepers to start with in David Marshall and Craig Gordon. And then we've got options for third. I'm going to be biased and say that Liam Kelly is by far the, the outstanding option as, as third keeper. But even behind him, we've got other options as well. And John McLaughlin, uh, Rory, Rory McCrory, Robbie McCrory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back. back. We have a lot of choices. Um, and to have somebody of McGregor's quality and then not be desperately shouting for him to join us for the Euros really just says something about how blessed we are in that department <laughs> and it's sticking with scotland as well um the the chance that austria might be with out quite a few of their bundesliga players um for the world cup qualifier against steve Clark, 25th of march i think 
um, as the game. Um, but because of travel restrictions um, relating from Germany to the UK, uh, these players like, uh, I think it's Sabitzer, David Alaba, they wouldn't be able to play. They'll find a way to get around that, I bet. I wouldn't. They're also trying to, the Austrian FA are trying to move the the fixture as well to be a neutral venue. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about this, JJ? Or, or Laura, who wants to take it? I, I can't see how Scotland could lose out of this. Um, famous last words. Please don't bring that back. 4 0 Austria. <laughs> but if, if they do move the game to a neutral venue, there's talk of the SFA wanting to move the away tie to a neutral venue as well. I don't know if that is a rule where you have to automatically move both of them to keep it even and fair. Obviously, that would be preferable to keep it even mm-hmm. and fair um, because in that case, we avoid having to play them in front of a full away crowd come September time. Also, if the game has to be scheduled for now in Scotland, as it is status quo, great, we play against a weakened team. This is the top seeds in our group. So that's an added bonus. And also, if they postpone the game, I, I can't see that happen. I don't, I don't think that's an option because of fixture schedules and all that. But if they did, it's most likely to be played at a time when Hamden can be full again. And that's an added bonus for us. And you know what? If Austria do get through all that complications and they manage to get their players, I think Scotland should line up with a guard of honour to welcome them into the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, we should end the podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening uh, to a fiery show today. JJ, Laura, <laughs> brilliant as always. Thanks to Stuart as well and Graham for joining us, especially the little kicks for our awesome theme song. Charlie, love your stuff. We'll be back next Tuesday. Have a great week. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. <laughs>